We're uh, finishing up today. We are going to finish up this uh, rather long review that we've been going through. Uh, once a year, we like to take a, a time to do sort of an inventory on how we're doing as a church. We don't usually take four weeks to do it, but it's been a real cool year, and so it's taking a little longer. Um, the, what we've seen so far is basically this. The Bible treats local con- congregations, the Lord treats local congregations as, as individuals, as, as uh, corporate persons. Now, we also all have to give an account on our, of our own life individually, but part of what we give an account of is what we do corporately. And so we see in the book of Revelations, chapter 2 and chapter 3, that the Lord uh, gives rewards and discipline based on how corporate wholes are doing. That means we need one another in just the same way that my fingers need the rest of my body to keep operating like fingers. What happens to the whole affects the parts. What happens to the parts affects the whole. We're in this together, in other words. So we need to all be, whoever is, is called to be a member of Woodland Hills Church is, uh, is, should be interested in how the church as a whole is doing. Now let me say this, that a member, a member of my body, I, I know the members of my body because I look at them and they're doing membering things. My fingers do fingering things, my feet do feeding things, my ears do earring things, and that's how I know that they're members. And so it is in the body of Christ, as the Bible portrays it. Um, a member is simply someone who's attached to a body who's doing membering things. Uh, you're invested in it, you're praying for it, you're sacrificing for it, you're part of what makes the body run. This is why we call covenant partners covenant partners and not members. Because we don't want to supersede the biblical definition, definition of membership. Covenant partners are those who have entered into an explicit covenant with us. And they're the ones that the leadership of the church goes to to get input, to get feedback, to hold accountability, uh, to, to uh, 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 determine and influence the direction of the church and things of that sort. But everybody who's spiritually aligned with Wilderness Church, where the Lord has told you this is where you're supposed to be, you should be interested in how we as a whole are doing, and you should be interested in the role that you play in how we're doing. Now, we break the ministries here down into three areas, and, and we've reviewed these. Uh, the first, first of all, there's the reaching out ministries, which is about what we do here on uh, Sunday morning as a corporate whole. It's about connecting the body as a whole with God. And that's what we do in worship, and that's what we do in preaching. Uh, we're aligning ourselves with God. But our hope is that we turn everybody who's part of the corporate celebration into a community, and that's what the reaching in ministries are about. Here we have the care ministry that addresses wounds and, and uh, helps people individually get their lives lined up with God and families and things of that sort. We have the discipleship ministry, we have the prayer ministry, and we have the community ministry. All are about building the body of Christ. And then after that, from that, our, our hope is that it would flow into an outreaching ministry. Okay, you come in, you get healed, you get whole, you get discipled, and then you go out. And uh, the goal of going out is that you'll ultimately bring people back in. Okay, so there's a, a triangular circle. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. A triangular flow here, uh, if you will. Yeah, there's a round triangle that we're trying to achieve here. And this is about connecting with other churches. It's our networking ministry, and it's also about impacting the world. Now, uh, we didn't finish up our outreach ministries, and that's what I want to do here this morning. We talked about overseas missions last week. Missions is part of this outreach stuff. We're all missionaries. If you're staying here in America, you're still a missionary because you have a mission. A missionary is simply someone who carries out a mission. We're all missionaries. One of the greatest lies that's ever told in, in, to us is that, Christ, uh, that America is a Christian nation. And there's some vague Christian principles that it's founded on, and thank God for those, but folks, it's not a Christian nation, and we've got a lot of work to do. When you believe it's a Christian nation, it takes away the edginess of your missionary work. You're as much a missionary here as if you were over in Calcutta or any other part of the world. You're a missionary. Now, there's two aspects to missions. There's, out, there, there's overseas missions, which we talked about last week, and there's local missions, which we're going to talk about this week. And the local missions breaks itself down into two, two areas. There's the doing kingdom, and there's the proclaiming kingdom. I'm going to talk about both of these. So let's first of all talk about doing the kingdom. Jesus, when he sent out his disciples, he told them to do two things. Always told them to do this. You proclaim the kingdom and you do the kingdom. You demonstrate the kingdom. You, you pray for the sick and you announce the kingdom of God is here. Now, this, this ministry is based on really two or a number of passages. Here's two representatives of the kind of scripture this ministry is based on. Matthew 25. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, this is Jesus talking to people about the final judgment. Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Now, why, 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 do, why do they get to come? For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. You feed the hungry. I was a stranger and you welcomed me in. 
You take care of the homeless. I was naked and you gave me clothing. You take care of the poor. I was sick and you took care of me. You take care of the sick. I was in prison and you visit me. You visited me. You, you, you take care of those who are in prison and all who are social outcasts. James chapter 1. Be doers of the word and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. Note this. If you're only a hearer, hearer, if your Christianity consists simply in the fact that you hear something once a week or whatever, you're deceiving yourself. Don't just be a hearer, be a doer, James says. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God. And Lord knows that most religion is not pure and it is defiled before God. But if you want a religion that's pure and undefiled before God, uh, it is this, to care for orphans and widows in their distress and things of that sort, and to keep oneself unstained by the world. The, the reality is this, and here's what motivates this, this aspect of our, our vision for local missions, is that uh, we're to be doing the kingdom, not just talking the kingdom. I really believe that on the whole, churches talk too much and do way too little. Amen? Because talking is cheap. It's easy. Be warm and well-fed, as James says. Doing is more difficult. So you always find a lot more talk than you find doing. But what God wants is a, a people who do before they talk. Or at least do as much as they talk. Our talk has substance. It takes on power when it's accompanied by doing. This is not a peripheral, secondary aspect of the gospel. This isn't like when you get around to the important, when you get done with the important stuff, then be a good deed doer. Now look at Matthew 25. The main evidence of faith that Jesus is looking for. We're not saved by what we do. You're not earning points to heaven. But if there is genuine faith there, it is evidenced in what you do. And, it, and, and, and it's about doing things that the world normally doesn't do. It's caring for those that no one else would care for and loving those that no one else would love and, and being willing to be inconvenienced when you don't have to. And this is a central part of the gospel. This is the main thing that Jesus is looking for. He says, in so much as you do it to them, you do it to me. When you did it to them, when you visited the person in prison, you were visiting me. When you helped the homeless person, you were helping me. When you fed the hungry, you were feeding me. And so I want you into my kingdom. It was a relationship with Christ that is evidenced in, in the concrete way we interact with the world. There's got to be, it's a central thing, a doing aspect to our ministry. One of the most unfortunate things that happened to conservative Christianity in the 1900s was this. Early on, there was a major fight with, with liberal theologians. And unfortunately, the, the, the body of Christ got dichotomized in these two areas. The liberal churches were all about social action and because they didn't have much of a gospel to preach. They didn't believe the Word of God and things like that, so they just sort of became social agencies. The conservative churches went to the other extreme, and they said, we believe the Word of God, but they gave up the social action piece because they, they, that got tagged as being liberal. But what we see from the Word of God is this. Emphasizing social action, the social implications of the gospel, isn't a liberal thing. It's a biblical thing. It's a biblical thing. Now, maybe politicizing the whole thing is a liberal thing, but doing it is a biblical thing, and we're all called to do it. Jesus, when He sent out the 70 in Luke chapter 10, He told them this. I, I, you go out into towns, and uh, it's a model for how all evangelism is, is, is to be taking place. First, you bless people. Wherever you go, you come to a house, you say, Lord's peace be upon it. We are to be blessing machines wherever we go, driving on the road, walking in the neighborhood. We're to be blessing everyone we see. However much they deserve it or don't deserve it, we are to be calling on God, using our kingdom authority as kingdom children to call upon God to bring blessing to everybody that we see. That's our, 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 our first job. Our second job is when the occasion arises to develop relationships. Jesus said if they invite you in to eat, Go in and eat with them. Third thing is you serve them. That's the doing the kingdom thing. He says pray for the sick, deliver demons. However you, whatever you can do to serve them, you serve them. And then he said, number four, proclaim that the kingdom of God is here. You interpret with your mouth what you just demonstrated with your deeds. You interpret with your mouth what you just demonstrated with your deeds. It is the love of Christ, Paul says, that constrains me. The love of Christ needs to be demonstrated, amen? It needs to be, to be lived out. So we want to be a congregation that's not just about talk, but it's about walk, where we, where we train and equip and empower and motivate people to be doing stuff. Uh, Keith LeMay is the main one who's in charge of this, and, and his, his job is sort of organize the troops to go out and, and, and just be living out the kingdom. And it's been a real good growth area of our church in the last year. 
like most of the other areas in the church, it's, it's, it's gone through some real growth. We've got people helping out in a dwelling place, which is a home for battered women, the Dorothy Day Center. We've got uh, people who are uh, working with the St. Paul City Church, which is a ministry to the homeless. We've got a number of people, a number of small groups that are, are volunteering at the homeless shelter, which is a quarter mile away. And God's really developing a, a, a good ministry there. Uh, as I noted just uh, uh, several months ago, this is to the glory of God. We were given the Volunteer Service of the Year Award by Catholic Charities. And that's something I'm, I'm happy to see. It tells me it's just a flag that we're going in the right direction. That's all. Thank God for it. It's a wonderful opportunity that we've got. Some of the things that are being planned, it's now in the planning stage. don't have a timetable for this yet, so don't be looking for it next week. But we've got people who are strategizing when we finish off the rest of this building uh, of having a training center to help these folks and others uh, to, to get better jobs. So they're, they're not stuck in a minimum wage job, which you can't possibly live off of. Uh, and so to be training them for, for higher paying jobs. Uh, we want to also be involved in, in uh, um, uh, location uh, stuff for them and home placement for them helping them find uh, homes. The, the government does very little for that. Some are talking about the possibility of being involved in actually building the homes. Uh, affordable housing. It's one of the biggest needs here in the Twin Cities. Affordable housing uh, for these folks. You know, we're just a little bit we're just a little bit tired of Uncle Sam carrying the burden for this and getting all the credit for this. I think the church can do it better. Amen? Amen. And so as, as God raises the people, that's the ministry we want to be heading into. Another aspect of the doing the kingdom thing is what we call random acts of kindness. Random acts of kindness. And all this is about is people coming together on Saturday morning, uh, every other Saturday morning, and uh, we, Keith uh, gets kind of a project that they do, and it's about servicing the community. It's a random act of kindness thing. So they go to the gas station and pump gas and wash windshields and wash cars. They, at other times, they mow lawns, they shovel driveways, they, they take out garbage, they drive people to the, to the grocery store, they, they deliver, give away free papers, they give away house plants, they give away all sorts of stuff. And it's just out there doing good stuff. And they wonder, what's the point of that? Well, it's a big point. You see... We have these random acts of violence in this culture where people are just sort of like puzzled by how could you be so violent? Well, it's one of the callings of the kingdom of God to be doing that with acts of kindness. So people are asking, what are you doing? You know, and, and you're just demonstrated, demonstrating in a countercultural way the love of Jesus Christ. And it's not about trying to, you know, really get an end to, to witness to the person so we wash the windshield and then corner them to say, now do you know the four spiritual laws? It's not about that. It's just about washing the window and saying, hey, we're glad to be a part of the community. We're from Wilton Hills Church. Have a good day. You see, and that does something. There are, in fact, some churches in, in, in the United States that are built on this kind of a ministry. Uh, some of our people went out to Connecticut where there's a, or Cincinnati where there's an entire church that was built on this uh, idea of just ministering to people, servicing people. It's a very biblical idea, and that's how the church has grown. And we've seen ourselves some fruit from this. I, I just give you a few few examples of it. There was a man I'm told who was uh, sharing Christ, witnessing uh, uh, to a friend. It kind of came to a dead end. It wasn't going anywhere. It kind of died. The friend happened to go to one of the gas stations where we had some people out there doing a silly thing like pumping gas and washing windshields. At the end, the person said, uh, "You know, we're from Woodland Hills Church. Good to be a part of the neighborhood. Have a good day." And the guy thought this was profoundly weird. This is odd. Why would the guy want to pump my gas and wash my windshield? I mean, I'm, I'm happy he's doing it, but that's strange. I think I'll check the church out. And he comes in and is here for several weeks. And before you know it, he raises his hand and gives his heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, amen. Sometimes it's the little things that make all the difference. And because of the ministry we've had to the homeless shelter, we had a, a woman uh, come here. She accepted Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. Uh, she ended up shortly after that. She testifies that God helped her find a house for her and her kids. She goes back to the homeless shelter and tell, starts telling people, you know, about, about what the Lord can do for them. And since then, we've had a, a regular stream of people from the shelter. Maybe some of you are here now. We're so happy you're here. We're so happy you're here. Praise God. And what we want to tell you is that, what we want to tell you is that that woman's telling you the truth. The Lord Jesus Christ wants in on your life. Uh, not just for the eternal values, but for the temporal issues as well. Invite Him in and, and walk with Him and see what, see what he'll, he'll do for you. It's not promising that you're going to have a rose garden of a life, but it is promising that you'll have a peace that passes understanding, a joy that's unspeakable, and you'll be forever in His hands wherever life may, may lead you. Those are the kind of things we want to be doing. There was a single mom who, who came here. We've, we've been blessed by having a lot of single parents. And I just thank God for that. It's a beautiful ministry. And she just showed up because she just was wondering what kind of weird church gives 
gives away plants and free newspapers on Saturday morning. That just struck her as odd. Some of this is networking stuff. Uh, I mentioned this several weeks ago. We had a, uh, for Christmas, uh, there's a Catholic organization and some Lutheran churches that got together and bought a bunch of toys for uh, the homeless kids so they could have a Christmas. We volunteered to be the ones to wrap them and deliver them. So we had 140 people show up here and wrap the presents and delivered them to the uh, homeless shelter. Well, there's more, more toys than, than there were kids, and so we took the rest of them and brought them to the St. Paul City Church, and they distributed them. And see, so here's what's beautiful about that. you got the Catholics and the Lutherans buying the presents. you got a bunch of renegade Baptists who are wrapping the presents, and you got some Assembly of God people delivering them. That's the church working together. It's, it's wonderful. Amen. 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 That's the body of Christ working together. That's what it's about. We do belong to the official denomination of the renegade Baptists. <laughs> <laughs> First Renegade Church. Uh, uh, you know, I, I, let me just throw out this little teaching moment. You know, I pray about becoming part of some of these outreach ministries that we do here as a church. But also, I want to encourage you in this area to just be, to, to walk as a countercultural person means that you walk with an eye towards service. Ways that you can just demonstrate the love of Christ uh, in, 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 uh, in the world around you. And there are needs all around you. It can be something as, as little as just helping a person carry their groceries. Our culture doesn't do that much. We're self-absorbed people. We don't usually notice anyone more than ourselves. We walk with our own agenda, our own plans, and our own concerns. And there's people around us who have got these needs. And our culture just doesn't train people to notice those. But kingdom people are to have the eyes of Jesus Christ. And that means just, just you know, walking with an awareness. That, that there might be something you can do today that's going to make a little difference in someone's life. And, and it's not about the trying to squeeze in a, a, a gospel message there. You just do it. And maybe just say, the Lord loves you. Have a good day. And God will use it. You're planting seeds. Whatever you do, you're planting seeds. Every, every friendly gesture is planting seeds. And so I encourage you to be used by God to do this. It's also a lot of fun. It really is a lot of fun. In a culture that's got all these random acts of violence, to be walking around doing random acts of kindness is fun. Uh, the looks you get on people's face is just it's such a pleasure. They're usually wondering. They're puzzled. The other day, I got some wonderful neighbors who just moved in recently, and, and, uh, and one of our few snowfalls this year, praise the Lord, uh, I, I went out and was snow plowing my driveway, and he doesn't have a snowplow, so I just went over and snowplowed his driveway. And he came out in his pajamas and a coat, and was like, what are you doing? Uh, you got the wrong driveway. And I, I just didn't know. I, I, I'm out here, and it's just a, it's a nice night, and I thought I'd just do it. And I know he didn't know what to do, where to place that. He was just puzzled by it. Now, I don't know if he's a believer or not. I don't know anything about them yet. But, but, but at the very least, it's a, it's a God thing to do. It's an act of love. God will use it. Uh, and who knows, maybe, maybe sometime in the future, uh, the door might open up to begin to talk about uh, Christ. And see, if, if, if this has been a regular thing, now the words will have some meaning. They'll have some substance. He's already noticed something, you see. So be a people who are out there looking for opportunities to service. We want to be a, a, a body who does the kingdom as well as proclaims the kingdom. But we also have to be a body that proclaims the kingdom. And this is the second aspect of local missions, proclaiming the kingdom. It says this in Romans chapter 10. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how, shall they, how are they to call on one in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in one in whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone to proclaim him? See, the Lord uses us to proclaim, to testify of the reality of Jesus Christ. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. We have this privilege. We get to have beautiful feet. Amen? We get to have beautiful feet because we get to have good news. And one of the, the, the things that you just got to walk uh, knowing is, is that um, however desperate a person may be, uh, whatever dire situation they find themselves in, and if, they're not, if they don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, their situation is far more dire than they realize. But you have something you can offer everybody. That's the good news. The gospel means good news. In Greek, euangelion, it means good news. And you've got something good to say to everybody. You can't solve all their problems, but you can solve the most important one. You've got a message uh, to share. And so we want to be a body that is about doing this. Now, I want to say this because we're giving a report card of ourselves, and we've got to be honest with this. This has not been uh, I, our first priority. In fact, this is the area in our, in our ministry that we are the most behind on, that we've done the least amount in. 
We have not been intentional about this. The main reason for that is because we have for 10 years been playing catch-up ball. The, the Lord just sort of, you know, moved here and, and just been bringing a lot more people than, than we had the ability to disciple and get into community and things like that. So we've been busy trying to build a body out of the people that the Lord sent, sent us. We haven't been, therefore, strategic in trying to get more to be coming to the Lord. But we want to be changing this. And uh, uh, in time, we want to have a full-time youth pastor. Chuck's been taking over this role, and thank God for him. But his main focus has been in networking. Uh, we want to bring on a full-time uh, uh, evangelism pastor. We want to be having outreaches and, and uh, uh, going into parks and having concerts and special events, like, like uh, in, uh, uh, the Friday after this next one, or like we had with the illusionist uh, two weeks ago. Do you know that 30 people, or we're, we're guessing here, around 30 people gave their heart to the Lord on that Friday night when we had the illusionist here? Amen. That's a great outreach thing. That's what we're talking about. Um, we have been doing some things. Thank God some people came and brought the Alpha Course to our church. It's a great opportunity for people to learn some basic things about Christianity, to ask questions, and sort of like ticking, kicking the tires of a car before you drive it. And you, they, they get a chance to check out Christianity. And we've had over 300 people uh, come to the Alpha Course. I taught a course this fall in our institute on letters from a skeptic. And we'll be doing that every year. We had about 120 people take that class. So we are doing things, but there's a whole lot more that needs to be done. Now, here is a God-glorifying testimony because we can't possibly take credit for this. We haven't been doing much in this area. But despite this, we had, in this last year, approximately 650 people in our church services accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. 650. Amen. Praise God for that. Amen. That is just a beautiful, God-glorifying testimony. But that's kind of a statistic to you. A great statistic, but a statistic. If you knew some of the stories of the people who are surrendering their life to Christ, and then what God's doing with them, it's just, it's just outrageously beautiful. I, I met a person several weeks ago, uh, Steve Coomer, and, uh, out in the gathering area, and he just shared a little bit of what the Lord had done in his life. He's been a Christian for four months now. And so I called him up, I called him up, uh, it was a Thursday, we played phone tag for a little bit, and I just said, hey, you want to give your testimony? Uh, I, you at least have to be able to put one life story to that 650 statistic. And so, being a courageous person, uh, I'll take a little talking, but, but he's here, so smile at him, but I asked him to give his testimony. Steve? Hey, uh... Amen. Thank you feel welcome. My name is Steve, and uh, I'm 26 years old, and I've been attending Woodland Hills for about four months now. And um, I started attending the week, the weekend after the September 11th attacks, and uh, I was experiencing my own little pit of despair. And that weekend, I had planned to take my own life. Um, j- just certain events had, had piled up on top of me where I just couldn't handle it anymore, and I thought that the only way out was suicide. But... As a last resort, you know, I, I still had this little voice in the back of my head that said, you know, it's really stupid what you're going to do to yourself. I mean, think of all the people you're going to disappoint. And uh, so as a last resort, I called the Love Line to Minneapolis. And uh, I had this philosophical discussion with a guy I didn't even know for two hours in the wee hours of the morning on a Thursday. And the guy still said at the end of the phone call, well, Steve, I just don't know how to help you. I mean, is there anything I can do for you? And I said, well, I'm just glad that you talked to me. And, and all of a sudden, something strange happened. And he asked me where I lived. And I said, the east side. And he directed me here to Woodland Hills. And on that very Saturday night, at a Saturday service, I gave my, my heart to the Lord. And I'm Praise glad God. that I did it. Amen. And here's something else for you. The instant I came here, I got connected with a small group, Life Challenge. And I've met some of the greatest Christian friends that I trust and just put my heart into, and uh, yeah, I got baptized in a hot tub, and I've just done all sorts of things. I've done so much in the last four months than I could do ever in five years of my life, and there is just supreme joy in being blessed by the Lord, but all you got to do is just ask for it. Thank you, and God bless. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. That's what it's about. That's the bottom line. That's the bottom line. Amen. Amen. He didn't look that side, did he? <laughs> I, I think we've got a preacher here. 
Do you know that everything that, that we've ever done, everything you've ever given, all the work that has gone into Woodland Hills Church this last year, all the sacrifices that have ever been made, uh, if, if the whole result of it was that one testimony, it would be a trillion times worth it. Do you know that? Amen. Amen. If it was worth it for Jesus to die for that one, it's certainly worth it for us to do all that we can do for that one. The incredible blessing is that God's been using it to do more than that. And we just give God thanks for that. There's two other areas of evangelism or local missions that I want to talk about. And these aren't areas that are normally understood as evangelism. But I believe, while they do a lot of other things, the core of them is evangelism. Let me first talk about children's ministry. Children's ministry. Do you know that 70% of people who come to know the Lord do so before the age of 12? You go to any, any random church, any sampling of churches, and usually you'll find that about 70% of the people grew up in the church and they accepted Christ sometime before the age of 12. That means that children have got to be one of our highest, highest priorities. And we've been putting a lot of the resources of, of our church in the children's ministry for that reason. The slogan of the children's ministry is raise up a child. It comes out of Proverbs. Raise up a child in the way that they should go, and when they're older, they won't depart from them. And Mary Van Sickle and Susie Abramson uh, and the team that they have around them and the volunteers that they have all around them have just been doing an out, outstanding job. And God's been blessing that ministry. It's just been beautiful. They've got their own worship band over there. Uh, they've got a curriculum that they're teaching out of. And, and uh, there's just some wonderful, wonderful things that are going on there. Uh, we are blessed to have um, uh, about a thousand kids each weekend uh, that we get to minister to. And, and that's just beautiful. I mean, that's, that, that you get to touch a life with that. And see, usually what happens is, is when someone like Steve or, or Greg Boyd or someone else comes to the Lord a little bit later on in life, uh, it gets a little bit more bells and whistles. We notice it more. You came out of a life of drugs. You're almost ready to commit suicide or, or what have you. And so it gets more attention. Uh, but it is just as supernatural, is it not? And just as miraculous, is it not, when a six-year-old gives their heart to Jesus Christ? Amen? Amen. And so we want to be as intentional about that as we could with any adult ministry. Uh, and in fact, think about this. When a person like my father accepts Christ at the age of 73, it is wonderful, it is spectacular, we praise God for it, we cry over that. But when you save a child when they're 5 or 8 or 12, you now have a lifetime of service still ahead of them, you see? And, and uh, you've now, you've now uh, put in place stuff that's going to have bigger repercussions for the Lord. So we, we want to make this a focus of our ministry. One of the things that grieves us is this. On almost every Sunday, and I'm sure that was the case this Sunday, there are people who have to be turned away from our children's ministry because we don't have room for them. Uh, we're, we're just filled up. So one of the things we want to be doing this next year is developing a family center. Okay, we, we want to finish off the rest of this building and, and uh, a, a portion of that, about 50,000 square feet or 60,000 square feet, we want to have as a family center. Now this will uh, allow us to accommodate whoever comes to Woodland Hills Church and that, that's a, a big plus having more rooms for, for children's classes and things of that sort. We want to go beyond that. And, and one of the areas that God is now raising up, there's already a, a group that is, uh, is uh, planning on this, is to develop a ministry to special needs children. Do you know there's an entire population out there that don't go to church. They're believers, they're Christians, but they don't go to church because churches can't handle their kids. Uh, they require, they're, they're, they may be mentally disabled or, or physically disabled or whatever, and churches just can't deal with that. They're usually just strapped to handle the, 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 the regular children that they have. Well, we want to have a ministry that reaches out to that population, amen? We want to be able to say, whoever wants to come, whoever will, come on, br come and bring your kids and we'll minister to them. And, amen. In fact, one of the things that, that we are honored right now, we are honored to already be having a number of people who are coming and bringing their, their, their special needs children. And it's a privilege to minister to them. And they've got a role to play in the kingdom too. And so we want to, in any way possible, come around them and, and train them and teach them and welcome them and love them and demonstrate the love of Christ to them. But that's going to take more space. Another thing we want to do is, is to eventually be having a Christian school. Uh, start with Amen. Uh, there, there's a real need for that. Uh, first through sixth grade, we'll start with and, and uh, go on from there. We want to have a Christian daycare center that's, that's available to the community. In fact, we want all this to be available to the community. They'll know that we're going to be teaching Christian principles and whatnot, but, but uh, a lot of non-Christian parents don't care. What they want is just someone to take care of their kids. 
and that gives us an opportunity. So we want to be uh, creating space and, and, and uh, uh, personnel to, to do this. Christian school at Christian daycare center. We also want to be having seminars and training uh, for parents and, and for marriages. Anything we can do, both inside the church and outside the church, to support the family. One of the, the things that the Lord has done here at Woodland Hills Church has brought a large number of single parents, and we praise God for that. But there are unique issues that you face as a single parent, as a lot of you know. And so we want to be having training uh, classes and seminars for, for, for single parents and support groups for single parents and maybe some co-op endeavors for single parents. A number of things through this family center. We also want to be having a medical center. Do you know that uh, Jenny Elverson here, uh, raise your hand, Jenny. Jenny, yes, amen. Okay, there you go, Jenny. Uh, she's a former student of mine. She's about a year or two away from being a doctor, and she's had a heart for a medical center for some time. I've been talking to her for about five years on this. She's done a lot of research in this area, and she and a team of people are looking into this, developing this. There are over 40 million people in America who don't have insurance. 15 million, uh, 15 million of them are children. For most of for us who have insurance, we don't know that part of the world. The work it is, the, 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 the stress it is to try to get medical attention. I spoke with a woman several months ago at the homeless shelter whose child was sick. And she described to me this ordeal she had to go through to get some free medicine. She couldn't afford anything. But to, to get some medicine without a copay uh, at, at a clinic. She had to hop on three different buses. It took her four hours taking three children out in the cold to get there and to get back. Now, there's just a ministry here. Jesus said, it, when I was sick, you, you took care of me. And that's part of the ministry of the church. We shouldn't always be looking to Uncle Sam to do this. And there's a lot of gaps in Uncle Sam's program. So we've got a ministry here for people who don't have insurance or who for other reasons can't afford medical attention. We're here. And we want to have a clinic where, where we pray for the people as well as minister to their physical needs. And it's part of the family center. So uh, many times there's other issues that you're dealing with here. Sometimes drug abuse, sometimes marital issues, whatever. Well, we've got something. It's a holistic approach to ministry, praise God. And that's what we're called to do. And God's given us the space to do it. We want to be doing that. That's part of what we're going to be heading towards beginning this year. We don't have a, a particular timetable on this, but as the Lord leads and raises the people and raises the funds, uh, this is what we want to see happen. The final area I want to talk, talk to you about that is about local missions, it's about evangelism, has to do with young people, has to do with youth, has to do with teenagers. Oh, I will come on. Yeah, as I, This is one I'm hot to trot on. I, I just... Um, you know that 85% of all people who come to the Lord as adults over the age of 12 come before the age of 18. You know, and this is just telling us where, where our focus has got to be. And it's, it's not exclusively here. We want to evangelize everybody. But for a variety of reasons that aren't too hard to figure out, the majority who come to the Lord come before the age of 18. I came when I was 17. You know, but the majority of you who are converts came before the age of 18. The older you get, the harder you are to penetrate. You know, but when you're, when you're 17, and especially if you've had things in your life that you, you, you know about the emptiness on the inside, you're right. 85% of the people uh, uh, who come to the Lord come before the age of 18. It's also a statistic that the majority of those who come to the Lord before the age of 18 come because somebody before the age of 18 invited them. And so here's a paradigm shift for you. It tells us that our main missionary field, not only, but main missionary field, are teenagers... And it tells you that our main missionaries are our teenagers. Amen? Our youth group is our main missionaries. And so we want to be strategic about this in, in, in asking the question, how can we reach this harvest of, of teenagers in our community? Here's our thinking. Uh, Dennis, Dennis Luce and Jordan Schroeder, and the, they've got a wonderful team around them, and God's been blessing that youth ministry. Uh, they have about doubled in, in, in attendance. They've more than doubled in terms of the small groups they have, in terms of the leaders that they have. God's just been blessing it. But I spoke with them two weeks ago, and I told them, uh, hang on to your hats, because it is going to be one heck of a roller coaster ride coming up here in about a year. Here's our thinking on this. Matthew 16 says this, a verse we don't pay much attention to. Jesus tells this strange parable. It's the strangest parable he told about a guy who was going to get fired, and so in a dishonest way, he kind of screwed over his manager and, and, uh, and made some friends, cut some quick deals with some people so that he'd have some place to go when he got fired. Now, it says this. Jesus said his master commended, commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. He doesn't say it was good that he acted dishonestly, but he does commend his foresight, his, his savvy. He was, he was wise. 
For the children of this age are more shrewd. The children of this age has to do with non-believers, the children of this world. The children of this age are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than are the children of light. And what Jesus, among other things, is saying there is, children of light, children of God, kingdom of God, disciples, wake up, start thinking, start planning, be a little, have a little savvy in getting kingdom work done. Jesus says this in, in uh, Matthew chapter 10. I am sending you out like sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Be wise as serpents. Be crafty. In Jesus' name, be shrewd. So let's be shrewd here. Let's think a little bit here. Our main missionary field is teenagers. Our main missionaries are our saved teenagers. What's the main obstacle to evangelizing the non-Christian teenagers? It's this. Non-Christian teenagers tend to hang out with non-Christian teenagers. Christian teenagers tend to hang out with Christian teenagers. So they don't mix a lot. And so the plan that the Lord has, has given to us, and we really think this is, this is, uh, God's, this is godly shrewdness, uh, is this. You know, the Bible says that we're to be fishers of, of, of people, you know, like fishermen. We're supposed to fish for people. Well, what the Lord has said is, is build a pond. Build a pond that the fish can't resist coming to. All right? Build a pond. And so what we want to do is, is build a youth center that is simply irresistible for the young people in the Twin Cities. Uh, we want to have this center that, uh, to start with, after school, the kids can come here. We want to provide tutoring and, and help with their homework and, and, and skills classes that, that they can get involved in. But we also want it to be a hangout joint where they can come and play video games and shoot some hoops and, and, and do other things. The, the best prescription for getting a kid in trouble is to give them too much, hands, too much time on their hands without something to do. And as some officials in this area have already recognized, one of the greatest needs in this area is something for the kids to do. There's nothing like a youth center uh, in this area. So we want to service the community by doing that. And we've got Christians who will be volunteering in this area, and that gives us a chance to rub shoulder with other Christians. And our, our youth are hanging out there. That gives us a chance to rub shoulders with the, the non-Christian youth, and that's part of bringing the fish together to do this missionary task that the Lord has given to us. On top of this, ask this question. What's the main thing that these fish want? If you're going to fish, you've got to use bait. What's the main kind of worm that, that tantalizes this fish? What do teenagers want more than anything else? And the answer isn't hard. They want fun with other teenagers. They want a sense of belonging to a community, and they're having fun. So here's the plan. We want to create um, a, a, a club, a, a Friday night kind of hangout thing, where, where the kids just, this is the place to be. We've gone to, uh, uh, the, some of the leaders in the youth and I and, and others have gone to uh, some of the clubs in the area. Most of these clubs... I have a, uh, once in a while, a youth night for underage kids to come and, and kind of do the party scene. Uh, they don't serve alcohol. And man, the kids pack these places. It's, it's amazing. They're just, it's like, like sardines. You know, they're just packed there. Uh, they're just desiring this. And uh, what we've seen, we've gone to different clubs here. If you've seen me hanging out at bars, it's because we're being spies. You know? I, we're, we're, what is it that attracts these kids? Well, what is it that, you know, we want to just kind of learn. We want to be shrewd here, okay, children of Bible, let's be shrewd. And so we're picking up tips here. We, we talked to one of the, uh, the, the, the club owners, and basically said, you make money on things like this. He goes, not really. You know, they charge $10 or more to, for kids to get in, but kids are willing to pay it. But they lose money because they're not serving drinks, and all their income comes from drinks. So he asked, why do you do it? It's not because they want to, you know, improve the world. He says, well, we're making lifelong customers. You know, you, if this becomes the place they hang out when they're 16, when they're 21 and they can pound down the drinks, well, then this is where they're going to come. Okay? The children of light need to be as shrewd as the children of the world. I want lifelong customers. Amen? Do we want lifelong customers? Amen? Okay, let's think a little bit on this. Let's think a little bit on this. And so, but it's going to, call, it's going to require some non-churchy. Maybe even in your mind, anti-churchy thinking, uh, if, if we're really going to uh, pull this off. Uh, but the, uh, sometimes I think the worst thing, that, the thing that hinders our ministry more than anything else is churchiness. Okay, so let's get ready to cut out, color outside the lines a little bit. What we want to do, we've looked at these different clubs, and you know what? Club after club, we go to them, we look at how they do it, and we see what's attractive there. But you know what? We can do it better. We can do it better. 
They've got, most of these clubs have got like 5,000 to 8,000 square feet to work with. And they got the music going. They got a little tiny dance floor. Kids are packed in there. Maybe they have a video game or two, but that's about it. But kids are dying to come because they want to be with other kids where there's a lot of lights, and a lot of energy, and a lot of sound, and, and you can meet people. That's what they want. Five to 8,000 square feet. We have got 45,000 square feet of this 100,000 square feet we have to work with. 45,000 square feet that are going to be a youth center. I'm told that that would make it the largest youth center in the Midwest. 45,000 square feet. Amen. Now, 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 get a vision here. I want you to picture this. Okay? The kids show up on a, on a Friday night or, or, or whatever. And we got the music. You know, we just got the sound. They like, you know, the, the music they like and the volume they like it at. You walk in these clubs and, man, a, you, can, you, you feel the music more than you hear it. It's just there, you know. And, uh, and you got the light show. The lights dazzling all over the place. You got the kids crowded in there, you know. You got uh, a, a, an energized atmosphere. Uh, but it's not only that. Some kids are into the dancing scene, but some kids aren't. There's a whole skater population out there that no one's talking about. So we're thinking, like, we've got the room for it. Let's have a little skating park, you know, where, we, where kids who have skateboards can come and they hang out on the skateboards. Amen? And then we got some video games. We got videos all over the place showing the videos of the music that's going on there. And we got pool tables and we got uh, dart boards and we got hoops that kids can, can uh, you know, shoot. And we got these inflatable games. You've seen these things where, you, you know, you play King of the Mountain or you got this bungee run or you got laser tag and all this stuff. We had, we had a bunch of these inflatable things out there in the gathering area for youth gathering and the place was packed. We didn't advertise or anything. We want to create the place where it's just, this is where you hang out. This is the coolest place to be. And it's cheap, it's affordable. Man, you can have a blast here. You know, and we serve some pizza and hot dogs and other kind of things. And then we advertise it like heck. I mean, on KDWB, we advertise it 93.7. And put it in the newspaper. Put it in the schools. Put it on the boards all over the place. This is the place to be. You know, and you just create that kind of an atmosphere. And then here, here's how we want to use it. Here's the strategy. First of all, they come here, and uh, we've got our kids who are trained, our youth group. We've got them fired up about doing kingdom work. We put them in the mix, and now all of a sudden the fish are swimming together, and that's always they're creating relationships, and the main barrier has been overcome. On top of that, we are, uh, are playing clean, secular music, the stuff that kids like to hear. We're playing it loud and with a lot of lights. But we also, every couple songs, throw in a good Christian song. You know, there's a lot of good danceable Christian music out there. It's really happening. We don't hear much of it in the Twin Cities because there's not a radio station that plays it. You know, that, that, although someone told me that there's a 107.5 that just came on. Is, is that true? Okay, so they're finally getting some Christian music that kids like to listen to. Kids tune into it. But you throw in some Christian music and you got the Christian videos out there. Let's be shrewd here. The message is getting through. Advertisers have been using this for a long time. It's time we learned a lesson. So they're being saturated with Christian music, but they don't maybe even don't notice it because they're just having fun dancing along with it. But the video is there and the message is being communicated. You also have signs strategically placed around this youth center. Think about this. You come in, it's packed, party, energy all over the place, kids doing their own thing, but there's signs around. And we've got some trained people, young people who are available to talk to these kids. And the signs say something like this. And there's rooms you can go to, counseling rooms with, with uh, you know, couches. And it just says this. Are you pregnant and scared? Want to talk. Uh, need a friend who won't judge? We're here. Uh, having trouble at home? Need, you know, are, are you lonely? Uh, struggling with drugs? Uh, have, a, have a sexually transmitted disease and want to talk about it, we can help. And you're just, see, there are these kids, they're, they're so empty, they're so empty. They're, you don't look, know it by looking at them, but there's a hunger on the inside there. Most of what they do is just trying to get a little bit of life and a little bit of worth from the people around them. You know, there's an emptiness there. And if you give an invitation, you know, just out there saying, you know what, we're available here. There are so many that would take an opportunity to this. And we don't judge them, we just help them. We just show them the love of Christ. And when the door opens up, then we share the love of Christ with them, praise God. And then we do this. Uh, you find this in all these clubs. Every once in a while they have an advertisement where they're running a special on martinis or whatever, you know, and, and these advertise. So we do the same thing. Let's get shrewd here. And so there, there's the music, there's the energy, and at the same level with the same intensity, once in a while these advertisements come on. And these are advertisements for our monthly getaways that we're going to have. Dennis, I, I should have told you ahead of time. But, <laughs> Dennis is our youth pastor. <laughs> 
Actually, he said when he said when he heard it, he started to cry. A monthly getaway is where we just tell the kids, you know what? There's an outing here. Uh, we're going rock climbing. We're going on a camping retreat. We're going, you know, out with some boats and do water skiing, snow skiing, snowboarding, skateboarding, whatever. Different different venues that reach different kids. And, and we make it very affordable. We give a scholarship if they can't afford it. And we go on retreats, two-day retreats or whatever, weekend. And then we just, as part they're having fun all day long. But as part of it, in the morning or in the evening, we have a person come and just share the gospel message with them in a way that relates to where they're at, that can meet the needs there. And the ones who come to know the Lord there or accept Christ, who live in this area, we integrate with our youth group. The ones who live in a different area, we integrate in a different youth group. We do follow-up there. We open this up to other youth groups. Anyone can use this thing. We want to network with other... It's not just about building our own little kingdom, but it's about working with the church in the Twin Cities. But my conviction is this. Uh, with a strategy like this, as hungry as kids are, and, and it's contagious there, uh, I believe, I, wouldn't, I honestly, honestly wouldn't be surprised if in like five years, if the youth group wasn't bigger than the congregation. I, I mean, are you willing to have a vision for that? Uh, an army of 5,000 kids, and here's the thing about kids. You get a kid who really gets saved, really gets the fire in their life, and uh, uh, they haven't yet learned what, adult, what too many adults have learned, and that's that you're supposed to be mediocre. You're supposed to be middle of the road. You're supposed to, you know, just kind of be mellow about this. These kids, when I got saved at the age of 17, I became the single most obnoxious person on the planet, you know. And, and so these kids have got fire there, and you need to train some of that and stuff. But see, we have this culture where we kind of think that, that uh, the teenage years are sort of just survival years. You know, it's, it's good enough if you just survive it and you don't have any kind of permanent damage. And Lord knows sometimes that is a remarkable achievement. All right, so we've got to go with that. But from a biblical perspective, uh, some of your, your, uh, your, your, your best years to do kingdom work are those teenage years. David came to a bunch of old fogies, these Jewish leaders who were afraid of Goliath. You know, because uh, the common sense said Goliath was bigger than us, he's stronger than us, we can't take him. David didn't know better. He was 15 and he just believed in God. He was about 15 years old when he slew Goliath. He comes up there and says, well, I got a slingshot and that'll be enough. You see, kids are willing to be radical. You got 5,000 kids. You got a radical army there, 10,000 or whatever you have. And if our goal is, as it is, to impact the Twin Cities, to change the spiritual climate of the Twin Cities, heck, it's to take over the Twin Cities, right? If that's our goal, you hit the kids. You go with the youth. Karl Marx saw that. Let's get shrewd. You influence the youth and the youth influence other youths. And you get a movement going here, you know. It's just, uh, I, there's so much that, that God can do. Now, maybe some of you are sitting there saying, man, you're talking about a lot of trouble. You're talking about a lot of trouble. You're inviting a lot of trouble around. You're going to get some inner city kids who are going to bring some gang stuff here. And you're going to have fights you've got to break up. And you're going to have drug transactions you're going to have to stop. And you're going to have, you know, man, just think of the, the, uh, the, the, the smoking butts that are, the cigarette butts that are going to be in the parking lot. What a mess that's going to be. What kind of reputation are you going to give the church when every Friday night you've got a bunch of kids out there smoking in the parking lot? And I'm telling you, that's a great reputation to have. You know what? Where in the Bible does it tell us to be worried about a reputation? I don't think Jesus was ever worried about that. He was worried, he was concerned about ministering to people. And about trouble, where in the Bible does it say we're supposed to be avoiding trouble? We're supposed to be inviting trouble. You know, I hope that parking lot over there gets filled with cigarette butts. Because every one of those cigarette butts represents a person, a soul that we are touching, that we otherwise wouldn't touch. So you thank God for every one of those cigarette butts. Amen? It's about reaching the lost. Jesus said this, Come unto me, all you that labor and are, are, are carrying heavy burdens. Come unto me, and I will give you rest. He didn't say, Come unto me, all you that don't have problems. Come unto me when you're not pregnant. Come unto me when you didn't get the abortion. Come unto me when you didn't get the sexually transmitted disease. Come unto me when you got out of the gains. You know, come unto me when you quit smoking. Come unto me when you stopped being messy. He didn't say that. He said, All who are heavy laden, come unto me. The only qualification he gives is, Are you tired? Are you weary? Do you want to come unto me? Praise God, and, and, and that's what we want to be about. Yes, you know, this isn't the way you normally do church. You don't, you don't put on a nightclub like that and invite the kids from all over the twins. But you know what? That's why we're not making as impa the impact on this generation that we need to make. It's time we start coloring outside the lines and start being willing to uh, dream radical dreams and do radical things to get the kingdom done. And I, am, I, I, I should tell you this because you probably couldn't tell, but I'm pumped about it. I, I really think this is like a bullseye target. It's about, it's about evangelism. Maybe you're sitting there saying, well, that can't be too cheap. And it's not. Which leads to my closing. When the ushers come forward, we need to take a huge offering. Look, you know what? For that whole family, instead of everything I just talked about today, we're probably talking about 3 to $4 million. And immediately, 19 of you just thought, impossible. 
And I wish we'd take that word impossible and just scratch it out of our vocabulary. Don't know what that means. Uh, you know, what does that mean? Let's just get rid of that word. Because, see, do you know, I mean, just think about this. We have about 4,000 adults that attend Woodland Hills Church on any given weekend. If every one of those adults gave $1,000, we'd have it paid for. Think about that. Now, some people, a lot of us, maybe can't afford $1,000. I understand that. But if everyone gave what they could give, there's a lot of people who can afford a lot more than $1,000. And we'd have it built. But see, here's the reality. If God's in it, if, he, if, if there's a vision He's given to His people, and if the people are acting like one corporate body, so every member does their part, the fingers do the fingering part, the ears do the ear part, everyone sacrifices as they can. If God's in it and the people are yielding, it will happen, praise God. Nothing is impossible with the Almighty when the people of God are willing to say yes to Him. Amen. Amen. And that's how the kingdom goes forth. That's how kids are one. That's how we get people like Steve being brought to the Lord. That's how schools get built. Praise God. That's how the ministry goes forward. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. That's the only qualification. Saints of God, pray. And I want to ask this question. Is anybody here who's weary and heavy laden and you need the Lord Jesus Christ this morning? Maybe you walked with God a while back, but you fell. And, and now, now it's time to recommit your life to the Lord. I want to give you the chance to do so. Or maybe you've never consciously made the decision to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. I'd like you to raise your hand real high so I could see it. And I just want to pray for you from up here. In fact, we're all going to pray uh, together with you here. If you want to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, right here, right now, raise your hand. Okay, back there, up here. Praise God, brother. Amen. You want to receive Jesus Christ over here, all over the place. Amen. Wonderful, wonderful. Yes, over there. Praise God. Praise God. You're joining the kingdom of God. You want to join a radical army. You want to help change the world for Jesus Christ. You want to enter into a kingdom that will never end. Just raise your hand and it will pray for you here. Anybody else? Anybody else? Just raise your hand very quickly. Praise. Amen, brother. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. God is so delighted when, when a person says, not my will, but yours be done. That's all you're doing. You're surrendering to the Lord. You're receiving his forgiveness. You're getting clean. You become a child of the Most High God. Okay, let's. I, there maybe were hands I didn't see. I sometimes miss some, but God saw it. And I want you who raised your hands, or maybe those who are too shy to, but you want to do this, pray with me. Pray with all of us. We're going to pray this prayer. But pray from the depths of your heart. Make it, mean it like a wedding vow. Because this is, the Bible says, the, the means by which you start your walk with the God. So it's like this. Repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I acknowledge that you are God, my creator, and that you have total rights over my life. But I confess that I am a sinner in need of your grace. I believe that Jesus died for my sin. And so I ask you, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive my sin. Welcome to the church.